Find the life you didn't think was possible with the Jesus you never knew. Together, let's slow down a little and pay better attention to the most significant person in history. Welcome to the podcast, Paying Ridiculous Attention to Jesus, with your host, Rick Lawrence, brought to you by Lifetree. Visit us at JesusCenteredLife.com. Well, hi, listeners. This is Season 5, Episode 38, produced by Jesus Centered Resources. I'm Rick. I'm author of the just-released Jesus Centered Daily. It's a daily devotional that uh, I worked on for two years, and it really does encompass uh, 365 degrees also of my view of Jesus. It was such an amazing experience to to, um, write this daily devotional because it gave me a chance to go both broad and deep around my own relationship with Jesus, but also just focusing on his extraordinary beauty from 365 facets. <laughs> so if you, um, if you haven't checked it out yet, you could go to the website I built. I built a website. Ah! Uh, you can go to the website I built for the book. It's called jesuscenteredaily.com, jesuscenteredaily.com, and you can get a free sampler, a 10-day sampler of the devotion there, just easily downloaded. You can also watch my little intro video that I created on uh, a nearby nature path near my home. And you can also order right from there. You can push a button and order it, um, or you can go directly to Amazon and order it there. And if you already have a copy, if you're one of those that was on the launch team uh, for the book, thank you, you 90 people. I love you. Way to go. If you're one of those and haven't yet posted your uh, review on Amazon. It really does help. Amazon likes reviews, as it turns out, and uh, helps their algorithms help promote the book if if you uh, post a review on there. So please do head on over there and take a moment to review it. If you already have a copy, that would be a big help in a short amount of time. Uh, I appreciate it. And um, if you're if you know friends that don't have a copy of this, just threaten them into buying one, or threaten them by giving them one. I, I think the message is just threaten them. <laughs> so gang, this is the fourth episode in a series I'm calling present concerns. The idea behind this is to look at uh, the things that are capturing our attention and maybe capturing our emotions right now in this, that this era and season of our culture. And uh, to take a look at what, those things are that are capturing us and, and uh, see if there's a, a connection to Jesus investing himself in that very same concern. How did he respond to people who had similar concerns? How did he wrestle with similar issues? Uh, so that's what we're doing. We're connecting these present concerns directly back to Jesus and how he dealt with them. And today, we're going to explore, well, it's, it's, I think it's going to surprise you. We're going to explore foolishness. Foolishness. Now, uh, I'm going to let you sit with that word for just a minute. It does not sound like something that fits this grandiose premise I just gave you for present concerns, does it? I mean, foolishness is like sort of saying silly, right? If somebody does something foolish, you might as well say they did something silly, in fact, I think many people have upended the sort of mildly negative connotations of foolishness and almost turned it into a badge of honor. 
it's not even really seen as a kind of a negative word anymore. Uh, sometimes people use it to express uh, a kind of courageous freedom to risk. I thought it'd be interesting for us to listen to a couple of minutes from the Vlog Brothers. That's uh, the Vlog Brothers. If you don't know about them, Vlog, by the way, is is a uh, combination word that was created probably about uh, eight years ago. It's a video blog, so therefore Vlog. And the Vlog Brothers are John and Hank Green. Now, John Green is the best-selling author of The Fault in Our Stars and, and many other books, and he's the co-founder with his brother Hank of Crash Course, which my teenage daughters have both um, used as part of their schooling. That's John and Hank Green give sort of crash courses on difficult topics in school. It's very, and they do it in a very entertaining, engaging way. So, so uh, uh, Hank and John Green are quite entertaining as brothers. They clearly love each other. They work together a lot. And they're just quirky, nerdy guys. And, and their, their vlog brothers vlog is incredibly popular. Millions of people subscribe to their vlog. And basically every, every week, both the brothers, uh, either together or separately, post two sort of stream of consciousness video blogs. And uh, in this segment that we're going to listen to here, the two brothers are exploring the essence of foolishness. So let's listen in as the Vlog Brothers talk about foolishness. Good morning, Hank, it's Tuesday. Good morning, John. It's <laughs> really not my best work. We very nearly had actual brothers on a hotel bed. Hank, it's Question Tuesday, the day that we answer real questions from real nerd fighters, and you are going to have to figure out the theme of oh, today's I like question. I didn't look, okay. What, in your opinion, is the most beautiful word? I like penumbra. For me, it's ongoingness. I don't like 12th. That's a hard one. 12th. What was the most foolish thing you did as a child? I remember getting in a lot of trouble for throwing glass bottles off of our fort. Hank, what do you think is the most beautiful phenomenon in the Anthropocene? I bet there's a couple colors that didn't exist until we came around that are pretty good. I was gonna say the understanding of the speed of light. That's good, too. Hank, what is your all-time favorite foolish endeavor? I have an answer for this. My all-time favorite foolish endeavor is a guy named Tony Hawks hitchhiked around the circumference of Ireland with a refrigerator to win a bet. And the book <laughs> that resulted is as amazing as you would hope. That's a good foolish endeavor. It is. Um, I was just going to say all of humanity. Have you gotten the theme of the video yet? N no, I didn't yet. I didn't get this. Are you serious? I know. You seriously don't have the theme of the video? No. Okay. I wasn't paying a ton of attention. What was it? Favorite word? And then there was like, stupidest thing you done? Mm-hmm. I think everybody out there has the theme. <laughs> this might get you to the theme. Okay. What is foolish? Oh, okay. <laughs> I got it. Okay, <laughs> finally. What is foolish, but also beautiful? The, the internet. internet. And also humanity. What? And porcupines. We're like in a lockstep. Yeah. The internet, humanity, <laughs> porcupines. I didn't have that no. one. I was going to so go beautiful. I was going to go like jalapeno poppers. All right, then. <laughs> there you have the vlog brothers. Uh, we'll put a link to that video on our uh, podcast episode page, which is at uh, paying ridiculous attention to Jesus.com. We'll put a link to that video. You got to watch the whole thing. There's another 
two minutes where they go off on another tangent um, after this, but it's uh, it's funny to watch these guys interact. But the the question that that John Green brings up there at the end is is uh, is there really a, a beauty to foolishness? He's he's already answering his question. He's saying yes. What's what's the most beautiful foolish thing out there? And that's what I was saying. That foolishness has sort of been upended in some ways in our culture. It's almost celebrated in the way that John and Hank Green were. And uh, there's one thing though here, (laughs) foolishness in a sort of biblical kingdom of God perspective is not only not beautiful, it's way more destructive and dangerous than we typically treat it. So I'm not taking anything away from how enjoyable it was to listen to the the Vlog Brothers talk about the beauty of foolishness because there is truth in what they're saying. But there's also this insidious uh, impact that foolishness has that we don't pay attention to very well. And in this time that we're living in, we are surrounded by a lot of foolishness right now. And it is not uh, anemic foolishness. It is destructive foolishness. And this is exactly why the uh, Jesus and all of scripture really try to point out the underlying dangers of foolishness. And maybe to, uh, as a good starter here, let's take a bit of a dive into the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs is, uh, uh, I guess you could call it ground zero in the Bible for spotlighting the destructive impact of foolishness. So we're going to read from Proverbs 26, the first 12 verses of Proverbs 26. So if you're not driving somewhere right now in you have access to your Jesus-centered Bible, which, by the way, if you don't have a Jesus-centered Bible, you should. <laughs> it's, uh, I led the team that created the Jesus-centered Bible. Uh, it was another two-year-long project, maybe the, the most comprehensive project I was ever involved in. Um, and we, we uh, created uh, eight or ten special features that we added to this Bible to make sure that wherever you're reading the Bible, your attention would be always consistently drawn to Jesus. And one of the features we added was something that's not in any other Bible anywhere. It's called the blue letters. All throughout the Old Testament, my friend Ken Castor, uh, Dr. Ken Castor and I uh, spent weeks uh, pouring through the Old Testament, looking for every connection to Jesus we could find. And when we found them, we highlighted them in blue letters. And then we uh, created a little breakout box tied to that path, to that verse or that passage explaining the connection. So uh, there's, there's about 700 of those that we isolated in the Old Testament. We could have done more, but the Bible is getting too big. <laughs> so that's just one of those special features. But that's, if you don't have a Jesus in our Bible yet, uh, we'll put a link. There's a link on our podcast episode page again for that. But you can also just uh, head over to group.com and uh, just search for Jesus in Bible. Or you can go to Amazon and search for it there. It makes a fantastic Christmas gift, by the way, for someone in your life who, who wants a different experience of the Bible that helps them to rivet their attention on Jesus, no matter where they're reading. So, so there's a little plug for the Jesus-centered Bible, but uh, if you're not driving and you can crack that thing open, go to Proverbs chapter 26, and we're going to read verses 1 through 12. Listen to uh, the wisdom of Solomon on foolishness. Honor is no more associated with fools than snow with summer or rain with harvest. Like a fluttering sparrow or a darting swallow, an an undeserved curse will not land on its intended victim. 
guide a horse with a whip, a donkey with a bridle, and a fool with a rod to his back. So there's a couple of <laughs> kind of one-off verses there where he departs a little bit from foolishness. But here he comes. He's coming back. Verse 4, don't answer the foolish arguments of fools, or you will become as foolish as they are. And then here's something interesting. The very next verse, he says, well, be sure to answer the foolish arguments of fools, or they will become wise in their own estimation. And so back-to-back uh, -back verses don't answer the foolish arguments. Oh, but actually do answer the foolish arguments. There's a different setting for each one. We'll come back to that. Verse six, trusting a fool to convey a message is like cutting off one's feet or drinking poison. <laughs> A proverb in the mouth of a fool is as useless as a paralyzed leg. Honoring a fool is as foolish as tying a stone to a slingshot. Tying the stone to a slingshot. A proverb in the mouth of a fool is like a thorny branch brandished by a drunk. An employer who hires a fool or a bystander is like an archer who shoots at random. <laughs> as a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats his foolishness. There is more hope for fools than for people who think they are wise, which I guess is a deeper form of foolishness. If you think you're wise and you're not, how foolish really are you? Um, pretty darn foolish, I think. Think about that, actually, that as we conclude with verse 12 there, think about that brand of foolishness in our culture right now. People who think they're wise but really aren't are the deepest level of foolishness. And we're, we, I, it feels like we're certainly surrounded by a lot of that right now. So you get a shotgun blast of metaphors about foolishness here. And uh, I think it's interesting to, to think about based on this sort of pointed diagno diagnosis of foolishness, how would we describe its impact? I mean, think about some of what I, I just read. Um, so a, a proverb in the mouth of a fool is as useless as a paralyzed leg. <laughs> so a paralyzed leg, you, you cannot walk with a paralyzed leg, right? It's, 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 it doesn't help you to move. And so Solomon here is saying that a proverb that a fool speaks is useless. It's, it doesn't lead to good impact. It doesn't carry the person forward. It's, it looks like something. It looks like something that should propel you forward. It looks like a leg, but it's actually paralyzed and can't help you at all. The verse right after that, honoring a fool is as foolish as tying a stone to a slingshot. So if you tie the stone to the slingshot, again, it looks like something that could be used as a weapon to defend yourself. But because the stone is tied to the slingshot, it's never going to leave it. So it doesn't have any impact. It has the appearance of impact, but it has no good impact. Um, the next one, right after that, a proverb in the mouth of a fool is like a thorny branch brandished by a drunk. <laughs> so here we've got uh, a, a thorny branch, something that actually could hurt someone if you hit them with it. And uh, a drunk person is, is swinging it around in random, in random uh, randomness. So he's saying, again, uh, uh, something that sounds truthful in the mouth of a foolish person actually is swung around and hurts people left and right. 
Have you heard somebody spouting something foolish that seems to be hurting people left and right? Yeah. <laughs> Just watch the news, read the newspaper. There's a lot of that happening right now. Um, and uh, uh, let me uh, point out one last one. As a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats his foolishness. So a foolish person doesn't realize what, how disgusting and, and um, unpalatable and gross and uneatable uh, his, his or her own foolishness is. They just keep returning to it over and over again, uh, returning to that vomit to lap it up and then vomit it out again. You can't get a more visceral picture than that. Somebody who just doesn't understand that what they're putting out is unedible, uneditable. Did I say that right? Let's just say that I did. But when you return to vomit and, and you keep going back over and over again, you've lost your sense of what is true and good. Somehow you're blinded to it. I think um, these descriptions of foolishness really do describe some of the environment that we live in today. And the, the impact that you get through Solomon using all of these very vivid metaphors is that foolish is not benign. It's actually quite, quite destructive. Think about swinging around the thorny branch at random because it's in the hands of a drunk person and it's hurting people left and right. You could say, you could up the ante a little bit and say that uh, foolishness is, is like a saber uh, waved around by a drunk person, causing just random injury and maybe even death. Um, depending on the toxicity of the foolishness, that's actually possible. That foolishness, because the person is unaware of its, of its destructive impact, becomes even more destructive. So it's almost like if you think about um, a, a drunk person waving around a thorny branch. Um, I'm in, I live in Colorado, as many of you know, and our, about uh, a quarter of our state's on fire right now. The mountains just west of where I live, there's two, two of the largest wildfires in Colorado's history are burning right now. And there's some chance that they'll connect it together and if that happens, it's, it's, I can't even conceive of the damage and destruction it causes. But the wildfire is driven this way and that uh, by winds and conditions. And the wildfire acts like a drunk, <laughs> just flailing this way and that and burning everything that it comes in contact with. That's a good way of thinking about this metaphor as well. Foolishness is, is not driven by wisdom, obviously. Therefore, it is random in its destruction and doesn't care what it's destroying in front of it because it's not conscious of its destructive intent. Just like a wildfire isn't conscious of what it's destroying, foolishness destroys things randomly. I love what uh, the, the blogger and Jesus follower Doug Ressler says about foolishness. Here's, here's what he said on his blog recently. Wisdom is when we see the truth and adjust our lives accordingly. Let me read that again. Wisdom is when we see the truth and adjust our lives accordingly. Foolishness, on the other hand, 
is when we demand the truth adjust to our reality. To put it another way, wise people will meet the demands of life, while foolish people will demand that life meet their demands. Wise people receive feedback when given, own their own performance, own their mistakes, and own their own issues. And they take responsibility without externalizing blame or giving excuses. Foolish people become defensive very quickly when confronted, and they refuse to own their own shortcomings, and they often externalize by blaming those around them. Wise people listen, fools dismiss or ignore. I just love that description. Let's just slow down just for a second and consider from this angle the DNA of foolishness. So uh, let me just backtrack for here, for here for a second. Doug Ressler says, wise people will meet the demands of life, while foolish people will demand that life meets their demands. Do you see the momentum at work there? A foolish person is also a person who has some narcissism in them. They fundamentally believe that the circumstances of their life should bend to meet their own needs rather than the other way around because they, of course, are the center of their universe. So why shouldn't everything orbit around them and bend to them? Uh, let me go back again and read a couple of things that Doug Ressler says here. Wise people receive feedback when they're, when they're given it. They own their own performance and their mistakes and their issues, and they take responsibility without blaming others or giving excuses. You can see what he's describing here is a kind of personal uh, courage, that a wise person has personal courage. That courage comes from a love for the truth. That means that even when they determine that they are in the wrong, that they uh, wandered outside of the boundaries of truth, they are able to embrace their own uh, culpability in that and, and own whatever it is they've done because they are serving something higher than themselves, right? Wise people always are serving something higher than themselves, but foolish people just serve themselves. Foolish people get, uh, Doug Ressler again says, foolish people get defensive really quickly when confronted. They refuse to own their own shortcomings and they externalize by blaming those around them. So uh, you, you can see also that if you're around a foolish person, um, when you listen to this description, you know that it's not benign. Foolish people wreak destruction in their relationships. A person who cannot own their own shortcomings and always externalizes the blame to someone else ends up destroying relationships and harming people around them. Uh, just recently, uh, John Piper, the sort of evangelical icon, he's the author of Desiring God, um, made a huge stir when he posted a very long blog post um, that detailed why now he, he didn't get specific, but if you read his blog post, you'll pick up that where he's coming from here, this evangelical icon, where he's coming from is he is basically saying he is, has no intention of voting for either Donald Trump or Joe Biden, which is an interesting stance for someone of his stature to take. We don't know what he's going to do in that polling booth, of course. But he makes a case uh, through most of his posts um, 
about uh, he's trying to appeal to other Christians and he's trying to ask them to consider outside of their party lines and the policy statements that each party makes. He's asking them to consider something that in some ways we've tried to ignore during this election season. He's asking people to consider that a person's essence, their wisdom or their foolishness is at least as important. And, for, and he makes the case easily, uh, he makes the case that it's easily more important that their essence, their, their foolishness or their wisdom um, will mean the difference between great destruction and not that actually the essence, the presence of a person brings either more life or more death than the person's policies or ideas or strategies that, that we can't ignore the essence of the person. And here, here's what, uh, here's one thing that John Piper says, writes in his, his little blog piece. This is the line that, that struck me the most. He says, I think it is a drastic mistake to think that the deadly influences of a leader come only through his policies and not also through his person. Let me read that again. It's a drastic mistake to think that the deadly influences of a leader come only through his policies and not also through his person. Drastic mistake is a great <laughs> phrase for him to use, I think. And really what he's talking about here again is the profound impact of foolishness. Foolishness emanates from the person, not the policies. Foolishness is embedded uh, like a toxic weed in the character of a person. So uh, when, he, when Piper's pointing out the power of a person's presence, not just his or her beliefs or priorities or their access to grind, he's really saying that foolishness in a person can spread like an infection, like a COVID-19 infection that's quite deadly. You could, I, we could use my previous metaphor as well. It can spread like a wildfire and destroy things in front of it. But let's go back and let's use the, the COVID-19 metaphor. We've, we've been convinced by Dr. Fauci and the, and the CDC that wearing a mask may be even more effective than a vaccine in preventing the COVID virus from spreading. We're, we're all looking forward to the vaccine being uh, at least one of them being approved and then widely available. But meanwhile, our government leaders and scientists are telling us that wearing a mask may be even more effective in preventing the, sprint, uh, preventing the spread of COVID than, than any of those things. And so uh, when, if we think about the COVID virus as sort of uh, relational, uh, a, a relational infection, um, if we think about the COVID virus as a metaphor for foolishness, what might be the equivalent for us in wearing a mask to protect ourselves against the virus of foolishness, especially right now when so many foolish beliefs and behaviors are infecting our culture and spreading faster than even the COVID virus itself. So I thought it'd be good for us to take a look at three perspectives on foolishness, two from the gospels that directly focus on how, on Jesus's view of foolishness, and one from the Apostle Paul. Now, foolishness and wisdom, the two ends of the spectrum here, are common themes throughout all of Scripture, uh, all through the Old Testament, all through the New Testament, and Jesus talks quite a bit 
about these two things as well. So it's not hard to find examples here. Another, another clue, uh, another uh, warning flare up into the sky that tells us that foolishness is something to really pay attention to. It is a present concern that Jesus had a lot to say about. So we'll look at uh, two encounters, two teachings of Jesus on foolishness, and then one, one from the Apostle Paul. So the first one is from Matthew 7, verses 24 through 29. So if you have your Jesus Center Bible handy there, just crack it open to Matthew 7. And that little section is called Building on a Solid Foundation. And here Jesus is going to uh, offer a metaphor about wisdom and foolishness to people um, to try to help them understand uh, something uh, uh, at a base level important to both wisdom and important to avoid foolishness. So we're going to put, figure out how to put our masks on to avoid the virus of foolishness infecting us. So here's Jesus from Matthew 7, verses 24 through 29. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. And when the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Now, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike their teachers of religious law. It's a nice little PS that Matthew adds on to the end of this, that the people's reaction to his teaching here was profound. They, they could sense that what he was saying was something deeply true, and it didn't sound and feel at all like the religious rule keeping that their teachers of religious law gave them all the time. Uh, uh, Jesus described what they did as uh, putting heavy burdens on the backs of people and never offering to lift a finger to help them. That's how he described the teaching of the teachers of religious law. So this, this little teaching that Jesus gave was completely different than that. He taught with real authority, Matthew says. So, so the question here is, how is hearing but not doing foolish? How is hearing but not doing foolish? I'll go back to, the, to um, Jesus's metaphor in just a second. But the other day I was talking to um, a friend of mine, and he he's, he's trying to start his own ministry. So he's in entrepreneurial mode. And that's a scary, hard um, risk-taking kind of thing to do. I mean, there's a lot that has to happen for that thing to get off the ground and to be successful enough to be sustainable. So he was telling me how difficult it has been to launch this and that about a year ago, he ran into a very influential national ministry leader that he knows. And this national ministry leader got all excited about my what my friend was going to launch. And as he learned more about it, he said, well, there's so many people that would want to benefit from this ministry that you're talking about launching. Um, why don't you give me a short description of what this ministry is going to be? Why don't you write it out 
so that I have it and I can, I can talk to, to others who might be able to help you with this. And my friend's reaction was, um, you've known me for years. Why, why do you need a, me to write out a short description of this? Can you not just represent who I am and what I do to the people you're talking about? And the national ministry leader thought for a second and said, sure, sure, I can do that. Um, so it's been a year, and now my friend has never heard back from that person. So what he experienced was damage, relational damage, because uh, this, this friend who has influence and could help him after hearing his story, because he didn't get the information in the way he wanted it, didn't do anything and never did do anything to help this friend of mine to um, get his thing launched. And so my, my friend feels the scars of uh, hearing somebody talk about doing something, but then not actually doing it. It's destructive to relationships and it also undermines hope. Um, the more that happens, the more people lose hope that their uh, dreams and goals and desires will ever come true because they've encountered, encountered someone who is foolish, someone who uses their words as if they were real things. Words have to be attached to doing something, not because doing something sort of makes us righteous, but doing something makes it real. Um, when I'm talking to someone about my belief in them or my support of them or my encouragement for them. What is always lurking in the, in my back, in the back of my mind is what will I do to um, live out what I just said about that person? Because uh, there was a time in my life where I treated, because I'm a writer and words are my thing. I treated words as if they were real things and people love um, words that are put together well. <laughs> they love them. But if they hear words that are telling them one thing over and over again, but the actions of that person aren't in concert with those words, that the, their actions don't spring out of those words to complete their words, I guess that's a good way of saying it, that our actions complete our words. If that doesn't happen, then we're foolish. Let's go back to Jesus' parable here, his little metaphor. He's talking about two people, one who's wise, one who's foolish. The wise person builds their house on rock. The other one builds their house on sand. Um, and when the storms come and the torrents and the floodwaters, it's going to reveal the foundation. And Jesus is saying it's foolish to build your house on sand because when it's tested by something difficult, like we're experiencing difficulty right now, it is going to erode and collapse what was built on it. And what is his comparison to sand and bedrock? Well, anyone who listens to what he's saying and follows it is building on rock. Now, sometimes people say they take this and they say, well, this is the reason why um, you need to, quote unquote, be in the word every day. And you, you need to really study the Bible. And 
I'm not saying that that's not true. Obviously, I'm editor of a Bible. <laughs> I believe in the habit of immersing myself in Scripture, but not because um, it's, it's like the switch I need to flip or the box I need to check in order for my life to go well. I'm immersed in Scripture because all of Scripture points to Jesus, and I can't get enough of him. I want to learn from him. But even then, it's not enough to just listen to what he's saying. What Jesus is saying is, unless we complete that listening by following him, meaning we change our behavior, we try things, we risk things, we take seriously the things that Jesus says, we slow down and pay ridiculous attention to him, we try to comprehend his heart, and who he is and what he stands for. Um, when we do those things and then live out what that means in our life, take risks to live that out, he's saying that's a form of wisdom. But if we read it and we don't attach it to the way we live our lives, and it has no impact on the way we relate with others, and we don't risk to try to experiment our way forward with what this might look like after we've read it, then we become like fools. And uh, the foundation under our feet is going to be eroded when we face difficult times. What we want our feet to rest on is granite. And the granite our feet rest on is the heart of Jesus. When we listen to his teaching, and we follow that teaching, we discover the heart of Jesus, what he cares about, what he's passionate about, what he values and doesn't value, what drives him and motivates him. That's how we discover it. We listen to it, and we follow it, and we discover his heart when we do. Here's a second uh, story. Uh, this is called the parable of the ten bridesmaids. It's from Matthew 25, 1 through 13. Um, here we go, starting with verse 25. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough olive oil for their lamps, but the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. So when the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, they were roused by the shout, look, the bridegroom is coming, come out and meet him. And all the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. And then the five foolish ones asked the others, um, please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, we don't have enough for all of us. Go to a shop and buy some for yourselves. But while they were gone to buy the oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast and the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, Believe me, I don't know you. So, Jesus says, you too must keep watch, for you do not know the day or hour of my return. So here he's speaking to his disciples, and he's telling them some important things right before he goes to the cross, and he's urging them to not be foolish. He's, he, and here, uh, the question is, what is fueling this foolishness in this little story that Jesus is telling. What is fueling the foolishness? What's fueling it is a, a sort of a lackadaisical attitude about paying attention that the, the five foolish brides, bridesmaids are sort of living in the moment. They're not thinking ahead to what's needed. 
they're not extending themselves out past their own needs and out past their own present reality. They're not looking out, I guess, is a way of saying it. They are internally focused. So Jesus here is saying um, those who are outwardly focused, thinking about the impact of their actions on the, what's most important in life and are not ignoring the impact of their actions on those around them or what's to come tomorrow and the next day and down the line, then they're, they're doing something that takes great courage. They're investing themselves right now for a future reality that has not yet come. But they know when that future reality comes, they, they will need to have been prepared for it already. So Jesus is trying to tell them, prepare yourself now for what is sure to come later. Don't wander into the future um, un unaware. Don't be like a sheep. <laughs> Let me teach you uh, and guide you as your good shepherd into actions that will help in the, in the unforeseen future now so that when you get there, the resources and strength you need will already be there. Um, because when you get there and you haven't done this preparation, there's nothing you can do then. You can't backtrack and get what you should have done back then. And uh, just, just to end this little piece on some hopefulness here, if, if you've ever experienced something like this where you acted like one of the five foolish bridesmaids and did not prepare for the obvious future that, that was before you, and you felt the sting of the consequence of that, you're wise if you took that experience and learned from it and changed your behavior. This is exactly what Jesus is saying in his parable of the two foundations. Wisdom looks at uh, 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 the consequences of foolishness and learns from it, pays attention to it, and then translates that into action. And those actions then lead to a redemptive outcome later on. So if you've ever done something foolish and learned from it so that it changed your behavior in the future, guess what? You're wise. <laughs> well, let's go after one last little teaching here. And this one's from the Apostle Paul. It's from 2 Corinthians eleven sixteen through 21. And this is an interesting one. Uh, so Paul takes foolishness from a different direction here. He's The preamble to this is that he's speaking to the Corinthians about uh, their their sheepishness <laughs> because they, they have started to listen to other teachers that are diverting them from the path that Paul has set them on. And they're starting to believe foolish lies. Um, and so he's kind of coming down on them in second Corinthians and telling them that that, that what they're doing right now, that foolishness is really going to cost them. So here's what he says. Again, I say, don't think that I am a fool to talk like this, but even if you do listen to me as you would to a foolish person, well, I boast a little. So he's saying, you've already been listening to foolish people. Let's, let's just say I'm a foolish person too when I boast a little bit. So listen to me too. So then in verse 17, he says, such boasting is not from the Lord, but I am acting like a fool. And since others boast about their human achievements, I will too. After all, you think you're so wise, but you enjoy putting up with fools. You put up with it when someone enslaves you, takes everything you have, takes advantage of you, takes control of everything and slaps you in the face. I'm ashamed to say that we've been too weak to do that. So here, here's being sarcastic. So Paul is saying, um, 
you think you're really smart. You think you're really wise, but that, that doesn't make sense because you put up with fools in your midst. And these fools, they're not just silly. They enslave you by their foolishness. They take everything you have. They take advantage of you. They take control of everything in your life. And then they slap you in the face. Their foolishness is not benign. The, the, the fact that you're listening to these foolish people and following what they say is going to harm you. So the question is, how and why are fools destructive in our lives? Well, fools, in their foolishness, can lead us like false shepherds. They can lead us down, down paths that get us into real trouble. Now, the path might look fine at the beginning, might even make sense to us, but because we're not discerning about those that we're following, we end up following fools down foolish paths. And so here Paul is trying to say, look, uh, the credentials of these people that you've listened to have lured you, have mesmerized you into following them. But look, if I have to do that, I will. Here's my credentials. And he goes on for about half a chapter of 2 Corinthians 11, talking about his credentials and why they should never have diverted from the path that he set them on and followed after this foolish path of these sort of false teachers that are, that have um, led them astray. So, so how is foolishness destructive? Um, foolishness leads us down paths that we can't easily um, return from. They lead us down paths that the foolishness leads us down paths that puts us in harm's way. And it, then it's difficult to gain back what is lost. That's why it's important to consider at the, uh, in our everyday life to put our mask on is mean, means to put to, and to invite the wisdom and guidance and insight and direction of the spirit of Jesus in our lives. To have the humility to open our hands instead of fold them across our chest, open our hands to Jesus and let him examine us. Uh, I, one of my favorite uh, passages when I was a, a college student I prayed this probably 10 times a day. I, I, I can't remember from what psalm it is from right now, but the start of that psalm is, search me, O God, and know my, th uh, my thoughts. Uh, try me and know my foolish ways and bring life into my ways. I'm kind of paraphrasing here. But I used to pray that all the time. Search me, O God, and know my heart, know my ways. That is a, a, an act of humility, an act of opening our hands and saying, search me, Jesus. Is there, is there any hurtful way in me? Is there any foolishness in me? If so, reveal it to me. I come to you like a child with my hands open, asking you to show me the hurtful ways in me because I don't see them. I'm blind. I need uh, not only a good shepherd, but I need the light of the world to shine light onto my foolishness and spotlight it. And when you do, I want to ask you to take it away, to take away the hurtful way in me, to show it to me, to help me, to give me a, a, a sense of knowledge about the hurtful way so that I have agency over it, so that I can lay down or stop moving in the direction I was and pick up something that is life-giving or move in a direction that is life-giving instead. Gives me agency. Jesus is not just going to reach into our lives and fix everything. What he will do is show us our hurtful ways, show us our foolish ways, 
Show us the foolish things we have embraced and treated as truth. Show us the destructive impact of those foolish ways. Wake us up to the destructive impact of the, of the foolish paths we followed. The Spirit of Jesus will do all of these things. He has wisdom. Jesus has what we need. And we can ask the Spirit of Jesus to share his wisdom with us. It's not our wisdom that's being generated. We just get to benefit from the wisdom of Jesus. And we have protection from foolishness only when we kneel before him with our hands open. Now, I don't mean this just physically, but I also mean it metaphorically. I mean, when we metaphorically kneel before him throughout our day as an act of dependence and worship, and we lay down then our truth for his truth. We say to him, uh, which is central to what it means to follow Jesus, that my life will bend to you. I don't expect you to bend to my life. That is a courageous act of childlikeness. It's essentially the same thing a child does. A child bends his or her whole day and even belief system to his parents, not the other way around. The parents, we know it's a bad home situation when the when the parent is bending to the toddler <laughs> instead of the other way around. So when Jesus elevates childlikeness, he's, he's also elevating wisdom over foolishness. When we come to him and kneel before him and worship him with our hands open and we say, search my heart, find my foolish ways, then lead me in the everlasting way. The everlasting way is the way of truth. And it's an invitation we, we give to him to help us to walk another path. Well, there you have it, gang. Thanks for listening. Um, I promised uh, in the last episode I'd give you an idea of what my, uh, I, I've just started a new role in the kingdom of God here. But as much as I would like to tell you more about it, it hasn't been public, publicly announced yet uh, as of today. So, so it will be by the time the next episode rolls around. So I'll tell you all about it in our next episode, what I'm doing now. It's very exciting. I can't wait to share it with you. And uh, it turns out, by the way, the Becky Nader, who was supposed to be on the uh, episode with me today, came down with an ear infection and she could not, but hopefully she'll be able to join me again next week. So if you're thinking that the Becky Nader was on the podcast today, I just never gave her a chance to talk. Well, that's foolish to think that. <laughs> All right, gang, you can check out the links I've mentioned today in this episode by going to paying ridiculous attention to Jesus.com. You're going to look for season five, episode 38. And don't forget to head on over to JesusCenteredDaily.com. Get your free sample of my new daily devotional. Watch my little intro video. You can also order your own copy from there or just go directly to Amazon. Again, if you already have a copy, I would love it so much if you would just post a review on Amazon. It'd be a big help. All right, gang. This is Paying Ridiculous Attention to Jesus. It's a podcast from RickLawrence.com. You can subscribe on Google Play or iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll talk again next time.